Hi, hi, hi. How's everyone doing? Um, so this week's podcast is going to be a little bit different. I, um, I'm going to explore a topic that's kind of been weighing on my heart for a long time, um, that I've been reading about, that's been coming up in my own life, um, really that I've just been sitting on and, um, contemplating and that's the subject of attachment and all that that means for us um in our individual selves and our relationships in the way we understand the world and this week I decided to include a visualization it's about a 10 minute visualization at the end of this podcast Um, So if you don't want to hear me ramble and you just want to skip ahead to the visualization, it's the last 10 minutes of the podcast, (laughs) but I will recommend that um, it will make a lot more sense if you do listen to me ramble for this whole podcast. So yeah, I'm really excited um, to share my thoughts on this with all of you. So just keep in mind that there is a visualization at the end. So if you are listening to this driving or something like that, um, just make a mental note um, either to come back to the end of the podcast at another time or maybe save it for a time when you can just be comfortable. Um, so... Okay, when we talk about attachment, what exactly does that mean? Um, You know, like being attached to an idea, a person, um, even a place or a certain kind of routine or a certain way of doing things. um, All of those things could be considered attachments. Um, And not all attachments are necessarily bad. I've also kind of been toying with the idea that um, energy inherently isn't good or bad, um, but when you give energy to something, so if say you were attached to something that's not necessarily good for you, the more energy you give to that, the stronger the attachment becomes. Um, And these kind of attachments can keep us from living fully, um, being in alignment and therefore being authentic. So it kind of goes back and forth and it also can kind of keep us from manifesting and, um, bringing the things that we want for ourselves into our lives. Um, and it kind of creates this source of fear outside of our fantasy perception of a particular situation or how we think of someone or even how we think of ourselves and it kind of having this sort of um, fear outside of this attachment blocks the natural flow and cycle of our energy and of our life and it also keeps us from the opportunities that um, you know are possibilities to us when we hold on to ideas that we have no real control over 
we form cords that keep us tied to whatever we have come to believe. Um, sometimes long after things may have changed, um, if our idea was even based in a sort of reality in the first place, a lot of times when we form attachments, it's often that we are attached to a fantasy of how we wish something would be or how we've made things up in our minds to be. Um, I know maybe we've all done this about ourselves. You know, we have this idea in our head of, you know, how we want ourselves to look or how we want ourselves to act or maybe this idea of how a relationship was or how, um, you know, we present to other people. We have this like kind of fantasy that we're attached to And when things don't line up with that fantasy or things don't play out in the manner that we've kind of fantasized about in our heads, um, sometimes it can be really painful and really difficult to separate from this sort of attachment that wasn't even like a real physical attachment in the first place. Um, So I think going from that idea... Um, we can kind of discover that attachment creates division. Um, And the best way to bring um, all that you want into your life is to have kind of a united mind, a united will, Um, you know, being united within yourself and your wants and your desires um, kind of gives you the ability to better move forward. And, When we have this division that's created from all of our attachments, uh, it kind of leads our ego to believe that we have something figured out, you know, that we're like, oh, oh, we know what we need. Oh, we know what we want. Um, We're attached to this belief. And so, oh, this belief is important. So it must be right, you know. And I feel like You know, we might think that's all we want deep down is like the comfort of knowing that we can make sense of things. But in actuality, this is what our attachments tell us that we want is like things to make sense. You know, we attach meaning to certain situations, certain people, certain scenarios, because we want to have things figured out for ourselves. We want to kind of avoid this unknown and our subconscious loves to form these unconscious attachments because it keeps us from going too far. It keeps us from exploring too far. It allows us to feel safe. And I feel like safety is at the root of most of our core desires. Um, um, Connection, shelter, nurturing, sex, vitality, all of these like core desires um, are kind of based in safety Um, But on the other side of the coin, we kind of have the desire for pleasure. So it's kind of this push and pull in your, in the will of safety versus pleasure. And rarely, very rarely do we find ourselves in a situation of true pleasure that does not require some risk of ourselves. Um, For example, like, you know, trying a new food or something that you've never tried before Um, Everyone tells you it's so amazing, so amazing, so amazing, but how are you going to know how pleasurable it is to eat and how um, amazing it is if you don't try it? So you have to like risk, you know, oh, I might not like this um, in order to gain the reward of pleasure. 
And it's the same thing with, you know, um, like riding a roller coaster or getting into a new relationship or, um, you know, doing a work you really like. There's always kind of some risk of safety in a way in yourself um, before you're able to kind of get this um, pleasure out of it. Um, so in order to exist in the space of safety, we must have already experienced risk. So once we know we like something, once we know that we derive pleasure from it, then we can feel safe in it. Um, so in kind of a negative way, when we feel too grounded in safety, when we feel too attached to certain things that make us feel safe, it keeps us from continuing to take risks and continuing to experience new kinds of pleasure or even experiencing things as they are. Um, it kind of lets us be attached to how we think things should be rather than taking the risk of being in the present moment and experiencing how things are now. So something I've kind of been exploring is... Um, why have certain ideas become easy to be attached to for me? And maybe that's a question you can ask yourself as well. Um, why have certain ideas become easy to uh, be attached to for you? And what is it about these beliefs that you enjoy? You know, what are you, what are you getting from remaining attached to certain beliefs about yourself, about other people, about your lifestyle, about the world? What is that giving you when you are attached to the, these beliefs? And are, are these certain attachments giving you pleasure? Um, if you believe something about the world, even if it maybe isn't true, is that somehow giving you a sense of safety or comfort or power or, um, you know, in some ways it giving you something that you see in your mind is good. And there's so much to unpack here um, for each individual person. And sometimes it's not even beliefs that when we reflect on in this way and look at um, in this kind of manner, a lot of times these beliefs aren't even really ones that we would consciously say out loud to someone. <laughs> um a lot of times it can be our shadow selves kind of seeking this acknowledgement and pleasure ultimately through these beliefs and attachments that we've um, really anchored ourselves in. So what I started kind of looking at once I was able to um, recognize maybe some of my own attachments, um, once I kind of started trying to look at the truth of my own self and how I go about the world um, was kind of like what kept me so attached to these ideas of what could, should, or, you know, what I think would happen. Um, and why did, like, why, why did this give me hope? You know, like, why did I want so badly for this hope of what should happen to be validated? Um, and I think validation would, in, in that, situation in that context would mean that I was 
right, that I wasn't foolish, that I wouldn't have to change my life. It would be, you know, like minimal things. Um, and that there's a future of my choosing that I've fantasized about. Um, so in reality, and, and also that I, I wouldn't have to give up my attachment to whatever um, scenario or fantasy that I'd concocted, that my ego had concocted in my head. Um, so really I would just, validation would serve as another way to kind of tell my ego like, oh, you know, what's going to happen. Oh, you, we want to, we want to think that we can tell the future. We want to think that, you know, we know what's going to happen because it's rooted in safety. We want to know that we're secure. We want to know that, um, you know, we can handle X, Y, Z because it's happened before and we feel safe in, um, you know, these past patterns. And of course, especially when, you know, fantasy is a wonderful thing. It, um, allows us to explore our desires. It allows us to, um, you know, imagine everything we've ever wanted, but it also convince we, it can convince us that something is real when it's not. Um, when we attach to these fantasies, um, and especially when we attach to, um, specific ideas or people, oftentimes we'll be continually disappointed and disappointed and disappointed when things don't pan out the way that we've imagined them to be because we're attached to this idea. So in some weird way, our mind convinces ourselves that that's the reality. And then we feel disappointed or hurt or, you know, um, betrayed when things don't work out that way because we've so heavily rooted ourselves into one outcome. And, um, you know, this can be for anything. This can be for like, this can be for work, this can be for um, friends, lovers, family, whatever, you know, whatever you fantasize about um, having or, you know, connection that you have. Um, and just because you receive, like, validation externally, like, so say you do receive validation for a fantasy that you have. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's for you. Like, just because something or someone agrees with you, like a worldview or something, you know, just because someone's saying like, oh, yeah, like, I I totally feel what you're saying. I go like, it doesn't mean that that fantasy is correct or um, tangible. It just means that someone else's ego is maybe aligned with yours. And in a way... Hoping for validation means that on some level you know that you don't need it and that it might never come. Um, and again, it's kind of our ego's way of keeping us in the safety trap uh, where we're confined by the ideas that we're comforted by. So how do we kind of free, free ourselves from um, these attachments, these cords, these ties um, that aren't necessarily healthy or serving us? Um, I think being free of attachment kind of acknowledges that the work you do inwardly is for your highest good, but at the same time, 
your highest good doesn't exist. Like in theory and in practice, um, when we are only acknowledging the self we attach to, it yes, our highest good exists in, in that respect. But in in actuality, our highest good is the collective good of all. Because without each other, we wouldn't exist. And alone, we're only a facet of what the biggest, bigger picture is. So if you can, for a moment, detach from the idea that you, your wants, your needs, all of that matters, um, in theory, if you can detach from that and realize that collectively it's not just you it's it's not just your wants your needs um that are important it's the collective good of all you know so in a way it's like if you nourish yourself you're nourishing the collective but it is not just your nourishment that matters so i know that's like sounds kind of contradictory but um i don't know if you can follow what I'm trying to say with that, um, but more concisely, I guess it's just that, um, your highest good is the collective good. There is no, your ego wants to tell you and wants to stoke this idea that your, your highest good is more important than someone else's highest good, but reality, they're the same. It is the collective good that matters. So if you can free yourself from the idea and the attachment that you know what is best, that you know what your highest good is, if you can free yourself from that idea and open to learning how to love differently, how to open up to new ways of thinking and processing, you can free yourself from this attachment, you know, this fantasy that your ego has built up. And a lot of the things that we attach ourselves to are really, really bad for us. Um, Like, for example, self-destruction is really bad for us, and yet so many of us do it. Um, You know, what we put into our bodies, substances... Um, addicted to relationships, um, addicted to money, you know, all of these things destroy the self. And self-destruction is a frequency. Um, Yeah, (laughs) self-destruction is a frequency. And when we choose to no longer tune into that channel, we can also no longer understand its vibration. If you think about like a radio that's fuzzy, Um, you know, if the channel's coming in clear, you can hear it really well. You're like, okay, I understand. But then you start to maybe think, oh, I want to listen to something different and you change the channel and then all of a sudden it's fuzzy and you can't hear it anymore. It's kind of the same idea with being in the space of this vibration. And when you meet people that are also tuned in to self-destruction, there's an opportunity there for you to feel connected to something, to feel attached. Um... And when I was actively, I was actively self-destructive for a number of years. It's only been recently that I've 
really tried to not do things um, that are ultimately going to kill or harm me. Um, and, you know, you don't have to have a death wish to be self-destructive, you know. Um, you can just be depressed or anxious or sad or unhappy or frustrated or angry, you know. Um, self-destruction kind of rears its head in a whole bunch of different ways. But um, when I was kind of going through this period of self-destruction... I pursued every available outlet to detach from myself. Um, so I wanted to be as far away from that version of myself that I identified with as possible. But along comes someone doing the same thing, you know, or multiple people doing the same thing. And I thought, wow, you know, they understand me. Uh, this connection must have so much meaning. You know, they're in this space too. And I'm so far away from myself, I thought no one could understand me. And here's someone doing the exact same thing as I am in the exact same space. So it must be meaningful that we're connecting here. And in that space, it's true. It did. It did have meaning. Um, but what happens when you like start to detach a little less and become more aware of yourself again? Um, for me, it was that I realized I've attached myself to... Um, you know, these relationships that are so bent on killing their identities, on escaping from themselves, um, and that their subconsciouses are kind of getting off on it. Like they want, they want these, they crave these sort of relationships. They crave, you know, someone to be miserable with them. And my subconscious wanted that too. You know, it was, it was forming an attachment to something, um, in a state of such self-detachment that your your subconscious wants to anchor onto something. It wants to feel safe. It's all rooted in safety. And it's really difficult to be free if you stay attached to these connections because they're rooted in self-hate. Um, you know, if you stay there, your subconscious is still going to be there at the bar with theirs, having that last nightcap, talking about how accepted they feel. Um, or at least, you know, that's the scenario it was for me. Um, and in truth, when any one of us are in this place of self-destruction, we don't want anyone to leave, even if it would be better for them. And this is because we, we've become attached. <laughs> um, our egos become attached and the very thing we've been escaping, um, this feeling of like secure, it's, it's weird because it's like, we want this feeling of security in a weird way um, when we're so insecure in ourselves and we're so far removed from our identifying with our desires, our authenticity, that we want, we crave security um, and we form these attachments that are rooted in safety, even if we're in like an unsafe space with these other people. Um so the very thing that we've been escaping keeps us tethered to the cycle and our detachment becomes the very point of connection. Um, so much so that we feel like we're being abandoned if a person chooses to leave this mentality or vice versa. Even if we're very like loving and kind in the manner that we choose to leave, it can still feel a lot like rejection because um, those vibrating at this frequency of self-hate can't truly understand the frequency of self-love. I'm going to say that again. Those vibrating at the frequency of self-hate cannot truly understand the frequency of self-love. Um, 
So even if we don't like outwardly reject the attachments with others we formed in this space, you know, like you're still hanging out with people who are self-destructive and it, I mean, and all of this doesn't mean that you don't love those people. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, they don't have value or worth. You're just like in two different places. And so even if we're, you know, still making these people a part of our lives, um, choosing to, to accept or show up for, or respect yourself is a rejection of self-destruction. And many people will subconsciously push away or refuse to acknowledge, um, these kind of acts. And there's nothing personal about someone choosing to love themselves over maintaining an attachment that no longer serves them. Um, just as like on the flip side, there's nothing personal about someone refusing to take a step towards self-love, um, which I believe is ultimately all love. Because when you love yourself, um, you can be a container for love and show that love to other people. Um And it's really difficult to show yourself that self-love when you're detached from who you are and you're in that detached state of mind and feeding it, you know, um, all of these fantasies and other attachments that are rooted in self-hate. And you can't force anyone else to match your frequency. You can't force anyone else to match where you're at. Um, this is why attachment can become so painful. We want to take people with us wherever we go, um, and if this isn't possible, we feel this huge loss, you know, it feels that like almost like we've done something wrong. Um, but just because you can't take someone where you're going at the moment doesn't mean like they'll never meet you there. Um, it just means at the moment we have to take a solo trip. You know, we have to go there on our own. And ultimately like the most important thing as an individual is to love yourself like this is your foundation you know we want to feel safe we want to feel loved and trying to get that validation trying to get that from other people is only going to cement these attachments that are rooted in fantasy and rooted in the desire for safety without actually having safety um like, how can you have healthy and fulfilling love in your work relationships and your friendships and, you know, your partnerships and your family and in even the way you interact with strangers? Like, how can you be authentic in in those interactions if you aren't being real with yourself, if you're not holding that love for yourself, if you're just giving it away to everyone else without acknowledging that you need it and you deserve it? It's empty, you know, those interactions become empty um, and false. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. Um, you know, they don't want to hear that they, nobody wants to hear that they have fake connections or that they're, they're being a fake person. And like, that's, yeah, that's another attachment, you know, like this idea of like what other people will think or like what the perception you have of like what fakeness is or you know, but when we just accept things for the way that they are and discover that no amount of, like, fantasizing or, like, wishing it to be different is going to change anything, um, the more we're able to, like, unattach from how we think things should be, 
how our ego wants us to think things are. Um, and we're able to kind of see the bigger picture and seeing things as they are in actuality of our perception of that, at least. And recognizing um, what we are attached to, you know, the ideas, people, fantasies, places, whatever that we have these attachments to that are keeping us from moving forward, um, from truly expressing ourselves, recognizing those attachments um, is the first thing in being able to move away from them. And um, I've really resonated with visualizing um, physically moving away from uh, the things that are keeping me in a place that I don't want to be in. Um, and leaving something behind doesn't mean I talked a little bit about abandonment, like leaving something behind doesn't mean that you don't care about it. And it doesn't mean that like, it's not important or like, it's never going to be there again for you. It just means that you're choosing to walk away from what is not for you and walk into all of the possibilities that lie ahead. And, um, I would like to, um, guide everyone listening in, um, kind of a visualization exercise. So I will just take a short pause, um, sit or lay down somewhere comfortable and I will get into it. All right. <laughs> okay, so if you're in your comfortable position, make sure that you don't have any distractions for the next couple minutes. Um, I invite you to get comfortable relax and close your eyes. We're going to take a couple breaths together. So we're going to breathe in and hold and release and breathe in and hold and release and breathe in and hold and on this release I want you to settle into your body really let everything relax I want you to bring your awareness to the bottom of your spine and the energy that runs up from the bottom of your spine to the crown of your head in a perfect middle line. And I want you to feel that energy at the crown of your head running down both of your arms, both of your legs both sides of the body and circling back to the bottom of your spine 
up the center of the body to the top of your head. A perfect circuit, one cycle, infinite energy. Now I want you to imagine that you're walking through some sort of forest. It can be any forest of your choosing, maybe redwoods, maybe alpine, maybe you notice some snow under your feet, maybe it's summer and you're in a jungle and the air is humid. Whatever type of forest you would like to be in, imagine yourself walking through. You notice every branch, every piece of foliage under your feet. As you walk, you can see a portal in the distance. You can't see what's through the portal, but you're aware that it is emitting light. As you walk further, you come to the portal and pass through it without hesitation. On the other side, you come to a wide, beautiful flowing river. It pools and is crystal clear, blue and beautiful. You walk up to the river's edge and you can see the water rushing over the rocks and you can see your toes almost touching the water, but not quite. And as you look down, you notice shimmering cords extending away from your body. These cords are tied to you and connected to these cords. I want you to envision the version that you have become attached to of possibly a person or people, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend or a partner. Maybe it's a place, a physical place, or possibly an object, possibly money, possibly something from your past that you cannot let go of. And I want you to acknowledge all of these versions that you have come to be familiar with in your mind. Take a moment to examine what lies at the end of each of these cords that are tied to your body. Notice 
how each of these chords feel energetically to you. Bring awareness to what kinds of feelings come up when you look at what is tied to these chords. After you have acknowledged everything that you are tied to, everything that is keeping you from achieving or moving forward to what you would like your life to be, I want you to look at the cords and begin to untie them with your hands. One by one, you watch the shimmering rope flow back into the river gently and peacefully. When you untie these cords, there is no fear, there is no apprehension. Everything that was attached to them safely and peacefully begins to flow with the current of the river. After you have untied the last cord, I want you to take a moment and find some gratitude in your body for everything that these attachments have taught you or brought to your life. As you watch them flow peacefully and safely down the river, I want you to acknowledge that they are no longer tied to your body. That they are free to move and their energy can go back to where it came. That your limbs are free to move you in whichever direction that you choose. Now I want you to turn away from the river and walk back up towards the portal. You can see the light of the portal and as you enter it, it washes through you. A sense of freedom and high energy settles into your body and radiates warmth. Feel this warmth radiating from the center of your chest and permeating your entire being. You are free to have a life of your choosing. You are free from anything you were once attached to.
slowly come back into your body. Open your eyes and allow yourself to absorb the work you've just done. Come back to this meditation anytime that you feel like you need to release something from your life. Thank you all so much for listening. And I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.